All right. Good morning. It is Monday, March the 3rd, 2014. It's a snow day in central Oklahoma. Woohoo! And this is our first STEM Seeds um, webcast, and we're not positive if we're going to be joined by others, but I'm thrilled to even have a short time to get to pick Amy's brain and hear about what she's doing. So uh, I guess we didn't do a full-blown agenda, but uh, let's start with introductions. And our, our goal today is just to kind of kick things off talking about lessons we've been doing in our in our class and this whole STEM Seeds idea. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about the background. So Amy, you want to introduce yourself to people who may not know you? Sure. I'm Amy Leffelholtz, and I am the STEM teacher at Lakeview Elementary in Yukon, and I have been there since uh, we started the program. I actually was the start, the founder of the program at Lakeview. Um, we have about 630 fourth and fifth grade students at our school, and all students rotate through um, my classroom as a specials teacher, and so I see them um, now about once every two days, and I see them for half of the year. And so uh, we do hands-on projects and um, different things, and try to I try to work on piquing the students' interest in doing things that they're interested in, but also incorporating a lot of things that I'm interested in as well. And I got to work with Amy a little bit and Chris Simon, who was at Independence when that's when the STEM program started almost three years ago. And in November, got to uh, go back in the classroom and and uh, do what Amy's doing on a slightly different schedule. So I see my students. Uh, twice a week for about 50 minutes a time, and I have them for the semester. So last year, all 22, uh, the first two years, I guess, of the STEM program at Independence, all 22 classes of fourth and fifth graders would come just once a, a week for 50 minutes, but this year uh, we worked out at all uh, a rotation with art. So um, it worked out that I had kids two months last semester since I started in November and uh, then got a new bunch of students. And I really, really love that schedule a lot. I find it great to have two different opportunities during the week to see them. I miss those kids from last semester. Um, I tell them it was, it was better to have some time than no time uh, together. But I, I really crave the, the opportunity to get lesson ideas from other teachers, and even though Amy and I are teaching in the same district, you know, we've only seen each other in person like three times counting OT, the OTA conference, I think, this year. So um, setting up a place where we would be able to collaborate um, was the start of this, and then it was also thinking, well, other districts are, are doing, you know, STEM things. So um, for – and I think, Amy, we, I'll, I'll start a little map maybe where we can – we can put, you know, who's doing STEM programs or whatever, because that's something I, I hope to do is facilitate connections, you know, between STEM teachers. We learned about Mustang at their intermediate schools. And was that just sixth grade that, that Marty or? Yeah, that it's doing? actually five, six. We are a four, five center, but they have a five, six center. So okay. Fifth and sixth grade. And I think their schedule, at some point, hopefully they're face-to-face -face or, you know, virtual. We'll, we'll do a show with them um, and start collaborating because they're on a little bit of a different rotation with kids, I think, keeping them for six weeks maybe, and then they, they switch. I think that's what I as well. Right. And then you said Putnam City has started as well. Um, yeah, and I don't know the parameters of, of the Putnam City program. I just know that they have started something. Okay. That's good. Well, and I just, wow, I just noticed we have eight viewers, so welcome if you're joining us online. I, I guess I had to turn the Q&A function in the Hangout on before the broadcast. This is my first, uh, there's one of our Snow Day uh, students who's home with me. Um, I, this is, I hadn't used the Q&A uh, function, so if you want to send a tweet during the uh, session today to uh, at STEM Seeds, um, I will take a look at that here periodically, and we'll see if we can field field some questions. So, um, Amy, what wh you want to just talk about what you've been doing lately? You were telling a little bit about the CSI, and I've heard a little bit about it. Uh, maybe we'll just kind of start there about what what we've done this year, because this is this is the second or third year you've done the CSI unit. Uh, this is I've done something with it all three years that I've been at Lakeview. Last year, um, I I was on a four day rotation last year with all 23 classes much like they were at, at Independence last year. So I didn't get to do quite as much just because we kind of ran out of time. 
this year I do have the kids every two days like you do as Wes. And so uh, this year I made it more of a focus because I wanted to get back to it. My fourth graders, I um, actually have them rotate through stations and they do different lab skills. They make their own dental impressions and then they get to actually classify some dental impressions from other students. And they get to make their own fingerprints and classify their own fingerprints and then look at some other fingerprints that were left at a crime scene and try to figure out what matches. Um, they also get to look at some chromatography samples where the ink has been um, processed and you can tell the different ink signatures. I was able to borrow microscopes from other people in the building, and so they get to look at some textile textile samples under the microscopes. And then um, the fifth station, now that I'm trying to remember the, oh, handwriting analysis. They actually make their own handwriting samples and then get to look at some characteristics of handwriting. And so with that in fourth grade, then because I see the kids two years, I try to build on the learning that we do in fourth grade and then use that some in fifth grade as well. My fifth grade students who were just my lab techs last year, now they actually get to uh, process a crime scene. And in our building, um, I was one of the only, I am still the only teacher that has an iPad cart. And so we had a mystery of the case of the missing iPad cart where there were different suspects in the building that had good reason to want to take the iPad cart from the STEM program. And so the students <laughs> in fifth grade, actually get to rotate through stations where I've collected evidence. And so there was a fingerprint station, and the suspects in the building were so generous and gave me their real fingerprints. There was a note left at the scene, so they get to work on handwriting analysis with that. There was um, We actually have the ink pens, and so they look at the chromatography samples with those. And so uh, then this year I added an extra element to that. Um, we actually – I sent a group of students out to interview these suspects, and they ask all the suspects the same eight questions. And I made videos with that and did QR codes. So then I had a listening station where the kids would actually go scan the QR code, listen to the suspect's interview, and they could make notes on their own. So as the students – oh, and there's also a textile element of that. As the students rotate through those five stations, they start to collect evidence and get an idea of who the culprit would be. Then we come together at the end of class and actually process that together and discuss, you know, how we would believe this would be the culprit and try to dis debunk any misconceptions with it and then actually come to a point where we're ready to accuse and go get a search warrant to go find those iPads. And so the kids really <laughs> got into it. It's two class periods, and so the difficulty with that is oh trying gosh. to keep the, as I told the kids, don't spill my beans. And so we're trying to keep the secret under wraps so that they won't tell the other classes. Right. But created a sense of just an energy that they really look forward to it. And so, and that's why I told them, I said, this is my passion. That's a lot of work because the whole unit for fifth grade was created just from me. And so going and actually, I had given the suspects in our building a profile of how they should answer the questions, you know, that they feel this way towards the STEM program or so that right. way the kids understand when they re listen to the interview, they're like, oh, I could see where the motive is in this crime. So anyway, oh. it's, it's, been very, it's been very energizing for me to see all the work that I've done is actually something they're enjoying. So that's what we've learned. Oh, my gosh. How long do they spend on each center then uh, since they're just doing this for two days? Well, and we have five centers, and there's eight groups of kids processing through stuff. And so um, it kind of depends. Like the fingerprint center takes a little bit longer because they have to really look at that ridge detail. The chromatography center, instead of setting up an experiment that we would have to do is acetone and do that close to 96 times, I made a video of us doing the chromatography experiment, so they have to watch the video. You have to give them the QR code and then look at the evidence that was at the end of that and kind of process that one. So that one's pretty fast. So it just depends. Each okay. center Sometimes take longer than others. Obviously, when you have to listen to six suspect interviews, that takes quite a bit yeah. longer than the other ones do. So, are your kids then self-paced kind of when they switch, or are mm -hmm. they? Do you tell them, "Hey, now switch." Yeah, the requirement is move with your group. And so, if there's three people okay. in your group, you need to make sure you visited with the people in your group and be ready, so all of you know what you found out at that station and move with your group. And at the end, I'll be honest, at the end, so, some kids weren't done. But that's where we came together and processed as a group 
and said, okay, now what do we know as a class? Let's talk about this. So that everybody felt like they were still part of it and weren't left behind. Right. Wow. Well, you know, managing centers, this has been something that I have wanted to do for a long time, but until, I guess, January, I did a, a center unit on, we called it the science and technology of music and sound. <clears throat> but... Um, you know, there's all the, the prep of setting up the centers and getting them organized, but then figuring out how we're going to do the rotations with students, you know, all of those. And so I'm, I like that idea of, of having, um, you know, them be kind of self-paced because I've, I've done it where, okay, switch, you know, we've done basically two per class period. Um, but, uh, I, of course, I love the career side of that. So have you all, I know that, you know, in past years, you've ha- they've had some folks from the VA and, and folks with prosthetics come in and talk. Have you done any career connections as far as the, the CSI forensics yet? I haven't. Um, I, keep, I keep wanting to do that, but part of, my, part of my problem, and even this year we didn't do prosthetics because of the way the schedule was structured. In the past, when I had them every four days, Everybody was on prosthetics at once, and so we did one big presentation. With this, with us doing two different, the way I have it set up, I have um, first and third nine weeks and second and fourth nine weeks, and so either there's kids who won't have any idea what we're talking about when the speaker comes, or I have to find a speaker who's willing to come two times or know that one set of the kids are just going to get the video version of the speaker instead of having the live version. So... This year, I haven't figured that out. I would like to look into having the career aspect of that, too, and try to bring in real people who do that job as much as possible. And, you know, that could be something, too, that we collaborate with and get a recording of, because that's, you know, having 11 classes or or whatever, it just... You know, somebody can come in and talk 11 times, but it, it definitely feels like Groundhog Day when you do that. That's a Chris Simon-ism. Uh, so, um, but, but pulling that piece in, I, you know, that, that would be great. And, uh, we, we yeah. don't, well, I don't do that enough for sure. Um, I see that we've got a few more viewers that are here. If you want to tweet us, I neglected and didn't know that I needed to turn the Q&A feature on before we started our broadcast. So unfortunately, you can't send a question in through the Google Hangout, but if you're on Twitter and you want to send a um, at reply to STEM Seeds, um, I just checked and we didn't have any questions, but a few folks have retweeted us, so we'll be happy to... Um, try to field those questions, and I feel like I'm on the radio. You're listening to Stem Seeds broadcasting from the metro area of Oklahoma City. How much snow and ice is at your house right now, would you estimate, Amy? Um, I would say, gosh, it seems like close to two or three inches, but I haven't been out in it. I just stay in it. But it's just that I stay in. So. <laughs> And all our friends in Montana and other places are really laughing at this point, going, you cancel school for what? <laughs> I really was thinking, if we had Two snow, yeah, if we'd had snow yesterday instead of sleep, we probably would have had close to a foot with as long as it went. Oh, yeah, I wish the snow had continued. So it was, uh, of course, I'm sure there's probably some good STEM connections that we could do with that, you know, with all the all the sleet and all, all that formed. And it was lightning. We had, what did they call it? Thunder hail? Yeah. Or thunder sleet. Yeah, not, yeah. so um, have you done a weather unit with your kids before, actually? I haven't, and I really have, have thought about it because we have a resource in our building that we just haven't been taking advantage of. Uh, our principal, Mr. Hine, actually has a passion for weather and so we um i really feel like i should do a weather unit if for no other reason than to kind of have him connect with that and maybe him be the expert and come in to visit with us about it because i know that's something that he would enjoy as well but i just i haven't put it together just yet that's why i'm i'm still looking at ideas every year i try to get as much in as i can use some of the old and pull some new in with this being my third year I'm trying to kind of rotate units around, but I haven't pulled in weather yet, and so that may be something that I definitely look at for next year. 
Yeah. Well, if you're just joining us, uh, both Amy and I are fourth and fifth grade STEM teachers in Yukon, Oklahoma, and we're uh, just, you know, sharing some lesson ideas. I love weather. You know, it was something I thought I wanted to study in college. Uh, one of my majors I declared was geography because that was the closest you could you could get to weather. Um, one of my kids, uh, and he's moved now, but their math teacher down at class in SAS in Oklahoma City was a huge, or I guess probably still is, a huge uh, storm chaser and he would always bring in, you know, all kinds of stuff about tornadoes and severe weather. And um, I've been to the, the National Weather Center in Norman, just in the Chick-fil-A, you know, looking at the things. But, you know, field trip-wise and, of course, where we live in the country, um, you know, this is why it's good to talk about ideas and things like that, too, because it could inspire us and provoke us to think about doing something. Because, you know, even... One of the most beautiful things, I guess, about our program is we have autonomy in our curriculum in terms of what we're going to cover and what we're going to address. Um, we were talking before we started, actually, about standards. Do you want to talk a little bit about that, Amy? Because we've we've had some conversations recently about folks, you know, with folks about standards and STEM units, and and I've definitely gotten this idea that a lot of pe- STEM means different things to different people. So how do stand how do standards fit into that, and what what you do and put together? Well, and um, when I started the program, because we didn't have any standards, and I was very vocal with my principal about this, what would you like for me to be teaching? And he said, well, I would like for you to match it up, hopefully, with the fourth and fifth grade math and science standards. Now, as coming from being a fourth and fifth grade science teacher, math and science teacher, before I was the STEM teacher, I realized how many different things that I wanted to do in the class but never had time for. So I wanted to make sure we did hands-on science experiments. I wanted to make sure we did hands-on measurement um, because I did not have time as a regular classroom teacher to let the kids explore with all the measurement tools and really understand why a milligram is a milligram and why, you know, millimeter is a millimeter and understand that. So I spend a good hunk of time at the beginning of the program But also right now, right before spring break, we're going to do a review on measurement just to make sure. And that is very much in the math and science uh, standards for fourth and fifth grade. But also I try to align with them, but I'm not a science content teacher. And so um, STEM isn't a replacement for the STEM content or for the science content. Yeah, and we have great science math and science teachers at my building and so I really try to collaborate with them and see hey what are you short on time and getting to is that something I could pull in and do with my do with the kids in my class because I try to be a collaborative um, partner but also a support to them and so if there's something that we do we did a big unit on space in fifth grade and the products that the kids made for me I gave the rubrics that we had used to the teachers to use for science grades as well so I check grades on those in my class, but also give them to the teachers to use as science grades as well. So that that's a, an interesting thing to talk about too. Um, not that we're not that I'm trying to disclose this to get myself forced to do grades or <laughs> trying to shift, you know. But but um, grading in STEM classes, uh, you know, is is different. And I'm I've yes. basically been giving participation grades. Um, I, you know, we're talking about next generation science standards. Oklahoma hasn't adopted them yet. Our, our STEM coordinator, um, Adam Zadro, was just, you know, visiting with me, I think, last week about, you know, looking at those as organizing standards that we, that, you know, I could be thinking about as we do lessons. We are doing the Marzano teacher leader evaluation system. And so our, one of our big focus has been, you know, goals and objectives for lessons and, you know, putting those up on the board and communicating those to students. So I think those things are, are good and it definitely, you know, has helped, helps as far as clarifying the focus of the lesson. It's interesting to me hearing people talk about STEM and I've heard some, some people you know, voice concern over how diverse STEM is and that, well, but what is that, that, that it's all over the place? Uh, you know, everybody focuses on standards a lot. So I think, to me, the most important part of my class is getting kids excited about doing STEM and, and using science and using math. Um, and so it's, we're not, I'm not covering every standard, we're not covering every objective. What I guess I'm hunting for, you know, as a, as a teacher are those, those lessons that are real hooks for kids. Um, two quick stories, we've been doing kitchen chemistry using Steve Spangler's, I can't reach the book without, I guess I could. Um, Steve Spangler has this, 
<laughs> my kids thought the title of this was funny, Naked Eggs and Flying Potatoes, Unforgettable Experience That Makes Science Fun. So we've been uh, cleaning pennies with uh, salsa and doing an experiment with milk and, oh, what does it have in it, um, soap and... Um, I've slept since we did this. Uh, food coloring, and yeah, it's the interaction and the fat and the milk. It has to do with the polarity of the molecules. Anyway, anytime we're doing those experiments, because that's what you mentioned wanting to do, it's messy, you know, stuff happens that, you know, you're just managing groups and you're managing uh, consumables. <laughs> so, two, you know, two fast stories. One is um, – I, I had a group that I don't think they had ever measured uh, liquid before. You know, they did not know what a quarter of a cup was, mm-hmm. and we've got we've had so much emphasis on math and reading that some kids just haven't had hands-on science, I guess. Mm-hmm. So yes, learning to measure a quarter of a cup of milk that we could put into our experiment. I mean, that's important, yeah. and. <laughs> Kids just, you think kids listen, and, and when you have an experiment or something that they're going to do, I've got videos set up that they're supposed to watch, but sometimes they just want to jump in and do them without even really paying attention to the instructions. So it can be frustrating when you're supposed to have one plate with a quarter of a cup of milk, you know, and everyone has a plate and everyone's poured milk. And so some of those things are frustrating, but in the same lesson, this is last week on like Wednesday, I had a student who's really quiet come up and say, Dr. Fryer, that was the most fun STEM lesson ever. Thank you so much. And so, you know, standards are great, um, lesson objectives, but, you know, th- to me that's gold. When the student is just so thrilled because they've been able to do something hands-on that they had fun with, and whether they knew it or not, you know, they were learning some important things. And so what, what have your experiences been with consumables and resources? Because how many kids do you have to juggle when you, when you do something like that? Well, you got about 600 too, don't you? Yes. And as of right now, we have um, our fourth grade classes are sitting at 29. And so in our fifth grade classes are sitting at 25. And I have um, in my room, I have it set up where we have eight groups. And so those groups either have three or four in them. To do what you're talking about and do an experiment like that has made me nervous. And I haven't done a lot of that just for the setup. Um, of looking at if I do it with all 12 fourth grade cl- or all 12 fifth grade classes, that's 96 setups I have to come up with, and so um, right. made me a little gun shy in that way. Now we do um, some demonstration experiments, and the kids have done them, especially with when we do stuff like um, measurement in the beginning, where they do have to learn how to measure liquids, and we'll find the um, how much liquid fits in an unknown container, and it's all water. So that's not, you know, it's not a matter of, well, I'm going to spill milk all over the floor. It's where we have water. So I admire you for um, jumping out there with some of that experiments where they get to do on their own. I still am a little bit gun shy at times on just the feasibility of setting up, having it ready and having this. Yes, it's eight people or eight groups in one class, but most of my classes maybe within five minutes of each other. So trying to reset all the equipment and have that ready for the next group to come yeah. in and be ready to do it, that's the challenge I'm right. seeing. Well, you mentioned the listening centers. So that's been, for me, I, I uh, was able, thanks to Adam and our librarian, to get three desktop computers moved into my second room. So with my, 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 my desktop on my desk, I've got four other computers. We were having trouble with the students using their iPads because – if you didn't hear this earlier, and I guess I didn't say it, Amy and I are uh, pretty rare in our district as having our own card of iPads uh, to be able to use our class. I don't have headphones or he- or really speakers, so when I had a QR code that kids would scan to watch a video for a center, they had trouble hearing it, and even mm-hmm. when they would go out in the hall. So with this rotation, I did eight centers again because I have eight you know, usually eight groups, sometimes seven groups with four or less in each group because I'm about the same. My biggest classes are 29, and they go down to about 20. Then students had four video centers, which were essentially listening centers, but then they were they were posting those videos to their kid blogs, which we've been working on all, all year um, and trying to get at least two students to do that per center. And then um, four of them were the hands-on centers. Um, another story, and I'll I'll put this in in this uh, 
we're gonna we have a Google Doc for notes that we're gonna add, and um, I've got a, a website stem.westfire.com where I've been posting resources, and that's also where my kids go to get things. I thought this was gonna be the weakest, most boring center. It is just measuring um, the weight of diet cola versus a regular cola, and then I had a cooler of water where the kids would float them, and it's supposed to happen. We found a few that didn't didn't do this, but that the the regular colas sink and the diets float, and they have the same amount of liquid, but it's because of the density. And you look at the ingredients, and you know, 40 grams of sugar or, or whatever, you know, makes that difference. And again. Thank you, Steve Spangler, because he's the guy who pointed that out. I thought that was just going to be, you know, they're going to be done with this in two minutes and it's going to be boring. Uh, I had, I got some uh, balance scales, borrowed the, some from uh, other teachers in our building. No, those kind of open-ended centers, um, I had kids discover uh, a couple cans that weren't the same. All right, this is, you know, Walmart Cola. <laughs> it's the same brand, same same version and everything. But they're weighing different on the balance scale. One is floating and one is sinking. So we're like, well, that's a quality control issue. Um, and then what, did I, what else did I have? Somebody else, um, I don't know, I don't remember right now. But it's just they have loved that. So anyway, I've, I'm definitely not setting up eight different centers where I've got to replenish materials each time. You know, some of these are just take the cans out of the, out of the cooler and use the towel to sort of dry, up, dry off the table. There's just that one milk one. That's why when when four kids, and I've tried to emphasize, but I'm, those are the centers that I've got to make sure I float to sooner, or you know, more often to to make sure we're not pouring out all the milk, you know, in in one group or not. And so I don't know. Oh, and then the vinegar is horrible smelling. I think all the teachers yeah. at the end of our building are like, please stop this unit, you know, because we the, there's the uh, Tomato paste, vinegar, and salt, and when you get the vinegar and salt are the ones that actually have the chemical reaction that clean the penny. But yes, my my room has smelled smelled kind of ripe. So the challenge for me has been wanting to do enough hands-on, you know, building and experimenting, and not as so much everything technology because because I started as a fourth grade teacher um, and you know was a computer lab teacher and facilitator. So a lot of that stuff comes more naturally to me than the hands-on the hands-on science stuff. So what are your favorite uh, hands-on units besides the CSI one, Amy, that that you try to do every year and that you think, hey, if somebody's listening who's doing elementary STEM, this is a hook. Kids love this. They they learn it so much you and you've kept it in your curriculum. Well, um, one of the things that we do um, that I've done every year since I started was a bridges unit with fourth grade. And so we do some background information and talk about the different parts of the bridge. And we talk about um, four main types. We do uh, beam and suspension and um, – now watch me stop and tell you not. Beam and suspension. <laughs> and then there's – maybe there's not four main types. But anyway, we do them – oh, arch. We do three, beam, suspension, and arch. And so uh, the kids actually – I have the Connects Bridge Building Kits – and so after we've done some research on the bridges and um, we uh, actually get to build those with the bridge building kits, but there's a really cool activity that I've done with suspension bridges where we actually use chairs and cardboard and rope and they get to make a more, um, it's still a model size obviously, but quite a bit larger um, suspension bridge that they have to figure out how the stringers connect to the deck and how all of that actually works. And their favorite part, quite honestly, is when I give them traffic to test it because I come around, I'm the traffic inspector or the bridge inspector, and so I have to test it and see if it's safe for traffic. When I put the um, Hot Wheels cars in their hands and they get to actually test their bridge out, then that's about the coolest thing that we do just because they get to play with Hot Wheels and STEM. And so um, at the end of that unit, then, I we've talked about all these different types of bridges and the specific characteristics and how the support works. Then I actually let them design and build their own. And a lot of what they build that out of, um, ideally it would look really perfect and there would be straws with the paper clips in them and they have the nice truss structures and they would be gorgeous. These are not gorgeous bridges. Um, they uh, can build them out of toilet paper roll and cardboard and popsicle sticks. Basically real easy to get supplies and most of the supplies are stuff that my parents actually donate to our program and the only requirements for the bridge is it has to span a certain distance 
it has to hold a certain amount of weight. And so after they get done um, with designing it and building it, then they come to the test station and we actually test that out to see if it does. And if it does, then they pass, you know, that's that's the thing. There's not a... There's the not stress a stress test is passed. It is. It's kind of a stress test. Like, does it span the distance? Yep. Does it hold up these four, we called them four mass cars. It was four boxes of uh, brass masses, uh, gram weights. So we put the mass cars on there. It held all four of those. And so then as long as it did, then they passed that part of the unit. So that is something that the kids have enjoyed. The other thing is um, I do a little brief unit, and it's honestly more fun than standards. Um, with air rockets that we build and uh, make them just out of magazine and um, magazine and plastic wrap and tape and put some fins on it and then you actually can launch them from the PVC pipe launcher with a two liter bottle taped onto the end. Super cheap, something I do try to do every year with the kids because it is so cheap but the amazement on their faces when they see how high those pieces of paper fly into the air is always um, a win for us. And we do talk a little bit about the force behind it and Newton's laws, but it I say it is more on the fun spectrum than the lots of heavy learning spectrum there. Right. Well, and Chris Simon, who had, had been at Independence before, had always done um, like an Estes rocket, well, Estes rocket engines, but home home built rockets. Mm-hmm. But the expense of that was the consumables. And so Adam had showed me a couple of weeks ago some videos about water bottle rockets that are launched with a PVC launcher that you you pump up with an air pump, like a bicycle pump. Um, and then you hook to the hose, and, and the, the rockets are actually two-liter bottles that are turned upside down, so the kids are, are making um, a, you know, a point at the end to try to make that aerodynamic, and then they can do fins on the bottom. But, um, you know, I, 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 what you just said about the consumables and the cost, I mean, that's just so huge because we were at that STEM workshop together mm-hmm. last Monday, right? Lots yes. happened since last Monday. I know. <laughs> oh my gosh! Um, and you know they had these little what was it called the cars? It was the, the um, fuel cell. The fuel oh. cell car, yeah. yeah. And they're like, oh, these are just three or four dollars, and you're like, exactly. okay, okay, times you know, yeah. 150 yeah. if we work it. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. It's just it, no, no can do. I mean, we could demo that. So um, that's another thing I hope for the stem seed site is that it'll be a place. And I'll get that set up, um, I'll say this week, I, I may just go ahead and do it today so we can post, but you know, just a place to put a picture, at least one picture, and then a, and then a paragraph or two about a, a unit, because I think what you just described with the bridges, that sounds like a very, you know, doable thing with a little pre-planning as far as mm-hmm. asking parents for donations and stuff. We can have toilet paper rolls, you know, we can buy some popsicle sticks, uh, paper and did you what paper clips and duct tape or is that what else you use with yeah, that? Paper and uh, masking tape straw. actually is what you usually use, but oh, straw and masking tape and yeah. that's what a lot of that stuff is donated from parents. Now that the first year I didn't have a budget, um, and so a lot of the stuff was just depending on we did what we could with what people donated. Um, right. Last year and this year I have had a budget. It's still not a large budget, and so I have to be very careful with what I buy. Um, but you can get things like through our secretary, she buys through Office Depot and so we get a discount. You can get popsicle sticks and paper clips and straws, things like that through there for pretty inexpensive. Um, it's just yeah. if you can, you know, or at Sam's, obviously, if you can't get that, then Sam's offers straws at least um, and other things like that that you could get for pretty inexpensively there. Yeah. Hey, if you're watching and want to post a question, we I neglected to turn the Q&A on in the Hangout, but uh, please feel free to, to just tweet us at, at uh, STEM Seeds and be kind of cool to respond to at least one question here mm-hmm. before we're done. We've got, got about 25 minutes left. Um, was something else that I was going to say about... Um, about rockets or about consumables? Oh, um, I guess... Have you been done fundraising? Because that, and that's maybe a whole other topic for a different show. But ha- well, have you raised money for your I STEM program? I have not. I have asked for that, especially the first year when everything that was going on in STEM was coming out of my personal pocket. Um, that was tough, extremely tough. Um, 
then that's where, after a lot of kind of noise making, we got a budget for the second year. And it is about $1.50 per student is kind of where our budget is. Um, the art mm-hmm. teacher in our building also gets around that much money as well. But she does a fundraiser because if not for the fundraiser, she wouldn't make it through with the consumables that she uses. And she keeps encouraging me to do a fundraiser as well. But I honestly don't know um, what I would do as a fundraiser. Um, right. I about doing things like having some kids in the past had suggested, can we do STEM camp? Can we come up here at spring break and do STEM camp? Or can we do STEM camp in the summer? The problem with that, because of the way that anything that gets done like that at our district has to go through community ed. And um, that kind of information, if I were to receive that money, I would have to do it through community ed and get paid as a teacher. I wouldn't get the benefit of the fundraiser aspect of that. Kind of been washed. Um, That may have been, but that's what... That was the response that I was given um, if I was wanting to do it basically to to build money for my program. That's not going to happen. So, yeah, no, definitely not. But there well, are definitely and I, things I, I would like to consider if I had more money to do them. You know, even to yeah, do like you did with the Minecraft by those licenses. I do have computers in my room, so that would be something that would be interesting to me. But I didn't. I didn't right. have to do that this year. Well, so. I, I need to find out kind of how our budget's set. I don't know if it's that same per student, you know, basis. We had about $400 in our budget <clears throat> when I came and we, f- I found out about Minecraft EDU. So I kind of blew the whole budget, um, you know, purchasing 29 licenses for that. That's, that's been good. And, and I, we can talk more about that if we want, but, uh, you know, it was when we started the Makers Club after school and we had kids pay Two dollars or something, or three dollars. I mean that that's that way we got uh, cases for my iPads because we had had actually had two screens crack this year, and there had been one from last year that I found out about mm-hmm. that were cracked. So and those have been repaired by the way. It has a budget for repairing, so that's awesome. And so now we have cases. But anyway, that the whole thing about fundraising is. You know, it is important because I'm, I've kept some, I've kept receipts. I, and I bought $200 of RAM for the Mac Mini for the server. So that, that was like the most, I, I would really like to recoup that. Um, Absolutely. And I, I'm reminded there's a Classroom 2.0 live and maybe it was this Saturday and we could watch the archive, but there was some teachers talking about donors choose and the ways to do campaigns with donors choose and some teachers have become really savvy about that because there are companies that will match donations and so anyway I think we can add that to our list of things to learn about because I yeah. um I did just collaborate with our our uh, gifted teacher and with a parent on a Cox Innovation grant to mm-hmm. try to get materials for a maker space uh, in the so second class. Yeah, yeah. So we wrote in a 3D printer and um, you know other tools and stuff because that's I would like. I would like a space where, you know, we're, we're working with PVC and I'm not saying kids are going to have power saws that, you know, there's drills or stuff that I'll do as a teacher, but a, you know, a place where we're going to be able to build things, um, that might be beyond, you know, just the, the masking tape, uh, straws and, and popsicle sticks and stuff like that. So anyway, I think that's, that's an important. I would also really enjoy that. My concern comes back to then if that's an after school program, okay, where I have like 20 kids maybe, or but having 29, trying to function with 29 kids in a class right now with that many and trying to do any, and you know, any kind of thing like that that would involve power tools or it tends to be a, is nervous, it makes me very nervous. Oh my gosh, and one of my lessons learned just this year from, from Makers Club was I went ahead and accepted all the kids who, uh, put in. So there were 30 because we have that many spaces in the lab. Well, I have three groups now. Um, and, and, and that would be a good thing. You mentioned Christy Paradise over in Middell doing a STEM club. It'd be, it'd be good to hear what other people's experiences mm-hmm. are because I know there's some people doing coding clubs and things. But I've got three groups, a Minecraft group now, a Scratch group, and then a group doing video. And so we're making, you know, a video about our procedures for pickup and, <clears throat> You know, and I'm the only person 
who's there. So it's just it's too many kids without having extra hands on deck. Absolutely. So I need to get smarter, uh, maybe with some parent volunteers who could come mm-hmm. in. Um, just you know, some some extra supervision because yeah, we we can't throw power tools into the mix and have you know have 30 kids. So I, I think I'm just going to have to grow my my facilitation and management skills and get some more some parents involved and you know it's well, it's been good there's exciting but it's also that's a lot of kids to yeah do you know about helping hands Wes that you can request a helping hand it's like a I need to here. do that I have not made a request so well, I know I know that it do. exists but yeah I'll tell you that I have um like two that are constant one that comes and just makes copies for me. Or we'll come yeah. hang out. And then I have one mom that comes Tuesday afternoons from 12.30 to 2.30. And honestly, she is an extra person in my room when I have those 29 fourth graders in there. And so whatever oh, I'm doing, that's great. she's just in there with me. Because I told the helping hand coordinator, people were wanting to volunteer and help. And I said, I don't need anyone else to make copies for me. I need another body in my room when I have yes. 29 fourth graders in there to help me get right. these projects done. And so one mom, she just comes every Tuesday and so is just there to help and be, she'll listen to what I've told the kids and then she goes around instead of me repeating myself 50 times, she repeats them 25. So (laughs) I, that's right. You know, um, that she's wonderful. And the other one, um, is a fifth grade, they're both fifth grade parent moms, but one of them was with me last year too and came when we did the egg drop. When I'm walking kids across the parking lot over to the bleachers to do the egg drop, she came and like volunteered every day I did that last year and then was there to help some of it with this year too. So she's wonderful and just has kind of anticipated needs and helped me make sure that things are getting done, and I love that. So not after yeah. school. It is during school, but it certainly is a help to request that. And it may not even be too late yeah. now. No, that that is a great idea. Yeah, I just have to kind of get a little more, you know, plan in advance and mm-hmm. um, get mm-hmm. those pieces in place because I can I can foresee like with our rockets because going back to that the rocket idea, something that I want to do is with the design process and I need to get a good poster. We saw by the way uh, Friday in Columbia, Missouri, your uh, design process video with the OSU student who got really? his family off the grid. Yeah, yeah. We did. Uh, I I drove up there Thursday night for a, a Friday conference and they had me do a session on uh, storytelling and STEM. So anyway, that was one of the examples. But that idea of the design process and iterating, you know, I would like to have the kids practice that. And rather than just build one rocket, launch it, you're done. Yeah. You know, do something that can be quicker so we can turn around and have like two launch days. Maybe we do it for yeah. two weeks and so we're going to build and then we launch and, you know, repeat that. So, because I think that if, if I was going to identify a core concept and experience that I want every kid to have in STEM, it would definitely the design process would definitely yeah. fit into that with creativity and failure and, and tweaking it and trying mm-hmm. it again and all, all that stuff. I don't always so. spend enough time on the reevaluate and redesign. Uh, we right. talk about the brainstorming. We talk about trying to get there, but I don't always spend a lot of time in the loop where they redesign it and make it better. I don't, right. I don't spend, I, say, I just don't. But that video, saying that video, that's actually what inspired my grant this year to do wind generators and alternative energy uh, through the foundation grant because we watched that video and I had some kids asking me, can we do that? Can we do some of that stuff here in STEM this year? And I was like, yeah. oh, I didn't have the stuff, but let me see if I can get it. And oh. so that's part of why well, I want to make sure and get to it before I lose this group of kids. I, I have a kit that I won that I'll loan you. That's um, There's a group called KidWind. I saw mm-hmm. – um, there's a teacher in uh, Dan Whistler. He's a high school uh, STEM teacher in Sterling, Kansas. They they have like a Chevy Volt at their school, and they've gotten you know community support to I think have a wind generator. But KidWind has these little kits. I'm not. I don't think I'm going to get to use it. But it, it's that kind of thing like where you talked about having those Lego kits that you've yeah. used once, but they're sitting there. Maybe we yeah. could play with them. You know, same thing. I'll loan you this kid window because it's a small mini wind generator that will generate electricity and you can hook a, you know, have a fan or, well, which, yeah. anyway, something to simulate wind. But, but that would be, well, and be that's great. I bought a kit 
That's something that you and I might want to look together because I bought a kit that I have a big fan and then it has a big, a good size um, wind generator. I think it's got things about this big. And then I have the cardboard ones that have the little motors that the kids can build. Now, mind you, that's a set of 30 cardboard wind generator, you know, wind uh, turbines that pretty much if we use them once, I don't know that we'll use them again. That's my concern with the consumable aspect of it. So, um, but we are going to do something with that. I also bought um, powerhouses, which are supposed to, they're, they're made of styrofoam, which they look, for $100 each, they look pretty cheap. And so okay. um, I'm going to set those up. And it comes with a book that has like 65 different experiments you can do to talk about how you should use solar energy in your house, how you should do compost, <sighs> how you can do. But I, have those, I bought three of them. With that was my whole grant because that wind the part of the wind generator was almost five hundred dollars and then these um, wow. powerhouses were a hundred dollars each and I bought three in my mind thinking because I have three classes back to back I didn't want to have to disassemble what we had just done in one class so that I could do you know the same activity three times in a row and wouldn't have to try to disassemble everything so I have right. that, that's the stuff I'm trying to figure out what I'm going to do with in the next two weeks. But um, I wouldn't mind looking at that with you and seeing, you know, what we could do with that. So if, if the two of us right. put together, maybe we could come up with something really great. Right, right. Hey, we actually got a few questions on uh, Twitter. Carolyn Stanley, she just mentioned a, a hashtag, but I don't know if it – I think it was just STEM seeds. I don't think there was another hashtag. I'm using the, the hashtag STEM a lot, but uh, just tweeting to at STEM seeds was what, what I'm actually um, – Okay. Saying John Martin uh, said talks about yeah local partnerships providing long longevity to um, initiative launches via donors choose yeah so that would it would be great to par partner with local businesses yeah sponsor a lesson parent teacher organizations because I think and then Nessa Perez says bridges it's like you read my mind after school program is getting ready to do this and I love your ideas oh that's so awesome. Um, I think that um, the idea around wind energy, like I've wanted to uh, take a field trip, you know, out to Weatherford to see the wind farms and, you know, make those kind of connections. And maybe we could do something, even if even if it was just one that we did a year, you know, with the Story Chasers uh, mm -hmm. Club at Lakeview last year, we got to go to the Oklahoman and, and take kids for the morning to see yeah. how the news is produced and all that kind of stuff. Um and, you know, your video on the engineering design process reminded me, and there were some others that, that we showed in that series, of just where kids made short videos of, you know, Newton's three laws. There was a kid that did it with wakeboarding, you know, because his family, I guess, had a boat. And then what was another one? Um, where students made connections, I guess, from, from math and science, you know, out into the world. So maybe yeah. that's something that we could do, too, with students with these units is kind of challenge kids who, I don't know, pick pick some or whatever. They could be kind of the videographers or the story chasers, but mm -hmm. maybe then they they could produce a short video about the unit because, um, you know, just having some of those ideas, a list of materials, um, that's the great thing about some of these STEM projects. Some of them are going to require, here, buy this kit, you know, spend yeah. more money. Some things are not. But that's obviously not. Um, I want to we can afford all the time to do. So that's where having this. Oh, right. Absolutely. It's going to be easier. Right. But a partnership, you know, with, because I don't know if you've talked to Rotary, we should, you and I should get on the list to, uh, uh, sometime it would work this summer for us to go talk to like Rotary and Yukon or and maybe Lions or whatever, because I, I bet we could not only share our program to tell them what we're doing, but we could, off from that opportunity to sponsor a lesson. And I think wind energy and any of the alternative energy stuff or, um, I don't know, just maybe some of those things, I bet that, that they would jump on to say, oh, yeah, we'd love to, you know, fund the consumables, you know, for that lesson. And we could, you know, have a budget and say, yes, here's 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 what you either buy and bring to our school for this. Exactly. Or There's even a wind farm out in Piedmont, Nocarchi. So it's even closer than Weatherford, you know. Oh, okay. Like, oh, and we could get chicken in Okarchi then. Way. Yeah, my family lives out that way, so I go out that way sometimes. <laughs> they obviously are having um, 
they're doing it just right out there in Okarchi and Piedmont. So it's it's close to us. For, for those of you that don't know, Okarchi has the oldest bar in Oklahoma, and they have the best chicken, yeah, chicken. pretty much in the nation. <laughs> so, yes, they do not accept credit cards. You have to bring cash or check. They're not open on Sundays, but go to Okarchi for chicken. The, 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 a tech director, the tech director in Okarchi had actually emailed me. This is the, the coolest offer of payment I've had. She said, we don't have a lot of money, but I can get you chicken. Can I want to talk to you about, pick your brain about your iPads? I'm like, yes. When can we get together? <laughs> that is a valid payment. So. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, that's right. What do we accept? Cash, check, PayPal, and Okarchi chicken. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> well, and, hey, Wes, I want to ask you about something else just that um, with my program, I tend to have, it goes back to kind of to the grading thing, I tend to have a lot of paper products. And so, or I want to have a recording sheet, or I want to have something that the students can keep track of their data or what the information is that we're using in STEM. And so they have a binder that they bring to specials with me. Now, I, I don't know if you guys, what you guys have set up at Independence, um, because I don't know if, you, if students are ever expected to bring something to class more than one time. You know what I mean? Or if it's just every day at STEM is just a one-page, we're done and move on. How do you handle that kind of things in your class? <laughs> so one of the epiphanies for the second round of centers, uh, which the, the, the math and science, the math, what was it called? The technology and science of music and sound. Mm-hmm. I was trying to have every every student have a different sheet, didn't need to do that. So I'm just having one sheet per group, and I came up with a grid uh, for the rotation that says what where they go on each day. They're doing two per, per station. Um, that has, has been so far the extent of paper shuffling. We ha- I set up kid blogs for each one of my classes, and I, I did get to share at, at a Tuesday you know, faculty meeting last month just really briefly the kid blogs, but I wanna, I'd very much love for some of our classroom teachers to start using their, those kid blogs for their students. Um, it's a nightmare to get kids initially logged in, you know, to, to to their kid blog. But we are at the point now, uh, we've done it mostly on the iPads with the kid blog app, and we've done some in the lab. Um, for instance, with with, uh, with Minecraft, you can take a screenshot, and so I had the kids do building challenges, and then our fourth and fifth grade teachers, I asked about geometry, and they said, I said, what concepts should we cover, what can we address? With 3D building, they said perimeter and area. You know, kids still have trouble, you know, with those concepts, and so anyway... Kids, almost all my kids now have posted successfully to their kid blog at least text, most of them a picture, and some of them have some of them have, have embedded a YouTube video or posted an audio video they've made. I wanted, I really wanted to take a grade on that a couple weeks ago. I actually had my evaluation, but it's just I think I try to pack too much into a lesson. And it might be better, better to just do less and, and, and slow down a little bit, especially at the beginning of the semester, semester with just, just, you know, everybody logged in. It's just, it's just, it's just that's, it, that's, a, that's a real challenge. challenge. So, so I'm, not I'm not doing much at all, much at all in the way of paper shuffling. But my goal is to have them post throughout the semester the things that they're doing, you know, have that as evidence of what they're doing in class. Eventually, eventually, our parents, parents, you know, who are coming and seeing those things and commenting. commenting. Uh, um, it's, you know, it's, you know, definitely, definitely is a big deal, a big deal to deal set all that stuff, 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 stuff up and from power to power school. And I was fortunate that I got to do that kind of stuff, stuff, stuff um, you know, in the last, you know, last two years on the contract district. I learned how to learn that stuff about power school and set that up. But but having having 11 blogs, you know, was commenting, et cetera, et cetera. I don't get to that enough enough. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not happy, happy yet, yet with how smooth all that is. It's still pretty, pretty, pretty chaotic, chaotic. But um, um, so, far, so far, you know, you know the pressure has come on to say, say, you know, hey, hey, make sure, make you're, sure you're picking up, picking up an individual, specific grade for every student, you know, each you know, week, week. And, and I'm glad for that because I think. I think well, well, I would just be. I would just. I would be spending a lot more time. 
you know, you know, managing papers. papers. Uh, I do know. And thinking of ideas. And, yeah, yeah, right, right. And that makes that something interesting to find out for other STEM teachers to talk about, you know, how they handle grades and what their district's perspective is on on taking grades in the STEM class. Because I, I think that, for me, I want it, I want what are we going to create? What are we going to make? You know, that's kind of what I've been promoting the teachers to right. do. So that's what I've tried to do in my class, and that's what I, I want to see—a product that they've made, and then evidence of that learning, like a like a picture of it, like a reflection mm-hmm. on it. Um, you know, I just and so it, in, in a lot of cases it would almost be a pass-fail kind of thing. Did you did you do it? I've had some students that have had to you know sit out of center activities and just. It's not the technology or the STEM. It's like just working in a group, you know, making good choices. Oh, my gosh, yeah. Yeah. So I kind of need to, in those cases, like they shouldn't get hundreds, you know, for that day or for that week. And so I am doing that kind of thing. But I don't know. That's a real – that's a challenge and – um, well, and something the reason I the ring, reason I bring that up is because we were told the other day, and I know this is sideline information, but that we the specials teachers at our building we use a binder that goes from all four specials. Okay. So the teacher puts stuff in there, the art teacher puts her rubrics in there, um, the PE teacher puts some stuff in there. But we were told that we have to cut our supply list next year to match independences, and since the specials teachers over there don't use a specials binder, we probably wouldn't be able to either. What? I mean, like, they're supposed to sit, you know, 60, 70 pages worth of stuff, the reference sheets and different things and rubrics that I give my kids that now I'm going to have to figure out, well, what do I link in there. Put one sheet that says, go to this web page and you can see all the stuff. Yeah. And so that's what, I don't know, but like, for instance, with the CSI unit, um, they had stuff that they recorded at each station that then we brought back together and did a big matrix grid to figure out who the suspect was. So without having some kind of paperwork to keep track of that, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm welcome to I'm, – I'm definitely open to kid blog, especially now. I'm very blessed that I have basically a computer lab in my room, and so I have 29 computers. So we've been able to do Scratch and do some other stuff this year that we wouldn't have been able to do otherwise. Um, because they wouldn't let me have the lab that much. And so okay. I'm, I'm interested in kid blog and with that capability, then if that's the, if that is a better way to maybe contain things and I, I've never used that. And so I'd like to look at the ease of how do I have to search through every single kid to be able to grade? You know what I mean? How to do that. And then right. maybe just work together to make some rubrics on what our expectations are for what end up on the blog. Right. Still a real standards-based grade, but not have to keep up with quite so much paperwork. I would be all for not having to do so much pencil paper grading. I hate it. Right. No, and I'd love to help you with that because I I totally think that every class needs to have a place for to share work. By the way, I think my audio was was breaking up a little bit. This headset's yeah, weird. Kind of like the devil was it garbled? Yeah. Is, it be- is it better now? It's better now. So okay. I, 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 yeah, I unplugged and plugged. It's bizarre. I've had this headset forever, and like after I've been online about 45 minutes, it just uh, becomes possessed, and I have to unplug it and replug it in. So I apologize. Well, that and I, I even found a really great deal. I asked our PTO for money, and so I bought headphones for my computers that actually have boom mics on them as well. Oh, I nice. I think about seven bucks a piece through ACP Direct. So okay. they're nice headphones, and um, I bought them because I didn't have headphones for my computers at all. And so okay. now we're able to do a lot more. But even if there's kid blog, if there's parts that they could add an audio boo to it, you know. Oh, yeah. Because we've been, yep, yep, we've done that. And that managing all that and just kind of seeing how, how that can. I mean, it's some of it's messy. Of course, we've had to delete some audio boos, and Absolutely. there's, you know, but kids are, have helped help police that. And I've had the the theory that if you create have kids create a lot of media, you'll get some exceptional examples. Absolutely. Is totally true. Yeah. I mean, I I can play for you one particular that was just. It was. It's a beautiful. The kids were doing tuning forks. Thanks to Amy loaning her, loaning me the science of physics uh, FOSS kit or physics of sound. Sorry, physics of sound FOSS kit. Just you know the tuning fork, the things they learned 
I guess they, maybe they were doing the um, string phone. It was a string phone, but mm-hmm. just they would not have been able to uh, communicate their understanding of what they learned at that center if they were writing it down on paper, Absolutely. if they were trying to te- to type it. Being able to record it, they did. A, they got into the whole show thing about, hey, we're back, you know, we're so glad yeah. you're tuning in. I mean, I just love it. So yes, I would love to help you with that, and because ultimately, I think, especially for us having the iPad carts, uh, that's where that's going to make a lot more sense for us to find mm-hmm. ways for kids to electronically document. I'm about to start this week on Thursday night a seven-part class for teachers, mainly in Montana on mapping media and it's like volume two and we're going to use this iPad app called three ring which I haven't played with yet but I'm going to kind of use this class as an example too and it is a digital portfolio app to be able to put their stuff in record audio take pictures so um It'll but be good to kind of have individual emails to do that, maybe. Uh, uh-uh. no, I don't think they do. Um, and so it's, but it it's pri- it's much more private. You can individually share things with parents if you have parent emails. But anyway, that yeah, I think with us with the carts, we're really have the opportunity to be pioneers with that kind of thing as far as a more paperless experience for students well, and for and ourselves. That I experimented with last year, but haven't used as much this year, is my big campus. Right. I, um, I actually gave several of us of the assessments we did on the end of the bridges unit, on the end of catapults and different things. I actually created the test in my big campus and the kids were able to go in and take it and it graded it for me and sent me their scores. And so and I did some journaling with the kids in there. I would put out a discussion topic and we would respond to the discussion topic. I haven't used it as much this year because things have moved around in there and it's not as user friendly. Right. But could definitely be that may be my place to choose because they could upload you know if they did a word document they could upload that in there and they it it's supposed to be kind of holding all types of media but I haven't used it enough to know if it's as effective as they want me to believe it is right right well and we just have a question from John Martin in New Hampshire he yeah. said he'd love a link to the headsets with boom mics that you found at that price Absolutely. were those US USB connectors or? Uh, no, they're the two different, they're a green and orange connector. Okay, just the analog. Is, which means that they, um, I bought some with a, with a split, not a splitter, a converter that the orange and green will plug into, so they'll plug into the iPad. So oh my gosh. iPads. And those were 10 something with the, um, with the converter. But I can post that link on the, um, Google Doc. Google is that Doc? a good place to put yeah. it? Absolutely. Yep, because I've got the ACP Direct is the company I ordered them for from. ACP Direct, like Mm -hmm. Alpha Charlie Papa. Yes. Okay. Cool. I'll look that up and post that on our Google Doc. Okay, and we I can't. We think we kind of need to wrap up because we're getting close to the top of the hour. I I did want to mention. Uh, it, Friday when I was at this conference, I went to a, a session on coding, and um, a teacher. I had heard, you know, I've, I heard about the Hour of Code and we did, I actually didn't register on the Hour of Code so my kids aren't part of the millions that did it, but we coded with Hopscotch and my kids learned to make some collide games on their iPads as well as art. But what we didn't do was the introduction to coding on their website which is like Angry Birds and it's kind of like Scratch where they drag blocks in to make them turn and move. It is great and it works on the iPad and, and that's an example of where now that I just saw enough of it and then I tried it myself, I'm like, oh my gosh, we gotta do that. So when I introduce coding, and I'll have to look, we, for those of you that could come on March 11th, uh, Apple Computer, we were, our program was, um, selected as an Apple Distinguished Program, and they're having basically a show-and-tell day about STEM and UConn mm-hmm. on March 11th. And so get in touch with us if you are interested in visiting because they're going to have a tour to go to each of our three campuses, and then we're supposed to do a panel at the end. I might change my plans and, and actually do some coding stuff you know, that week uh, with Hopscotch. But anyway, that's something that I saw Friday, and I thought I have to, to do this with my kids because the Hour of Code stuff not only has that basic introduction, but then, you know, kids can go further with it, um, with, with things that are on the Hour of Code site, but there's Code Academy, W3C Schools, and then there's another one. So, anyway, the stories about kids really 
Because with Minecraft and my Maker's Club after school, I've, I do have kids building stuff, but I also have ki- a lot of kids that want to play, and I don't want them to just play in Maker's Club, you know, or in class for that matter. Yeah. I want them to be building and creating and then, you know, getting, getting into that, um, I mean, that programming level is, is, is different than just, we killed the Ender Dragon at the end, which we had some kids do that in Maker's Club the last week, so. Any other thoughts that you have to share for, the good of the those who are with us. Thank you if you've stayed no, with us. I will. I will try. Wes is encouraging me to get a Twitter account as well, so I will try to be on Twitter too, so that we can uh, start really making a nice network of connected ideas and sharing that. Because I am very open to sharing those ideas, but also I'm very interested in getting ideas from other people. Amen. Amen. And we don't, we'll have to talk and figure out when this will happen again. I don't anticipate it'll be a Monday during a week, you know. Um, it may be, Amy, that, like you said. We don't have any more snow days. That's what That's I'm right. Saying. We do. If we're having more snow days. Um, it may be that, like you said earlier before we started, you know, we could meet face to face one month and then, you know, just after school and our, from our classrooms, we could, we could do this. We'll have to check with our tech department and see how hangouts and all that are working. But yeah. the goal, one of my goals is to try to do this at least monthly and, um, you know, invite, uh, guests and other people who are, who are using, um, STEM lesson ideas and, you know, just have a, have a forum for sharing through live shows, but, that'll be archived, but also, you know, have this website where different people can just contribute a lesson idea and, and here's a picture, you know, here's a link. So. Mm-hmm. Sounds great. All right. Sounds good. Uh, let's see if we got any more questions. Let's see. Oh, okay. Nessa Perez says, can I come visit you on the 11th? Yeah, absolutely. Nessa, we'd love to, mm-hmm. we'd love to have you. I will, I'll tweet you some information. Yeah, we'll put them on, we'll put it on the Google doc because there's a, um, there's a flyer that and John Martin says, yes, get on Twitter. For you, Amy, yes, get on Twitter. We'd love to connect with you. Um, uh, we've got a flyer that the Apple rep made, and uh, we'll get that we'll get that shared, and it'd be great for you to come because it just it's exciting. I mean, there's a lot of negative things, obviously, happening in terms of education, education policy, but there's a lot of exciting things happening with STEM. There's a lot of autonomy. We have as STEM teachers, and, you know, just that excitement of the students loving, you know, class, loving lessons, I mean, that that's what makes it all worthwhile. So uh, with better uh, opportunities to collaborate and share, we'll just spread the excitement and the enthusiasm and hopefully encourage more more schools as well as teachers to embrace STEM and, and the kinds of hands-on learning that STEM opens the door to. So. Absolutely. Okay. Well, have a good rest of your snow day, Amy. And Absolutely. Wherever you are, this will be posted on stemseeds.org, and you can follow us on social media to check out more opportunities. And we also are going to invite anybody, it'll be moderated, but anybody else to contribute posts on a team blog. Not if you're a vendor, this isn't a place to sell your product, but if you're a teacher, uh, you know, or involved in STEM programs and want to share ideas, that will be great. All right. Thanks. Have a good day. Okay.